This morning, if you have your Bible, if not, we'll put it up there. We're going to turn over to Luke chapter 18. Luke at chapter 18. We're going to look at verses 35 through 43. And we're going to look at the title of the transforming power of faith. Faith is so important. It's such a small word, but it's so important. You don't get saved without faith. You don't get healed without faith. You don't get filled without faith. You don't, God is not able to do what He wants to do without faith. Without faith, it, without faith, it is impossible. It is impo- that means it ain't going to happen. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We've got to trust Him. We've got to put our confidence. And it's something that that little word separates us from the best that God has for our lives. That little word is something that's so important. But that little word can be something that can cheat us if we don't have it. We've got to get this faith. We've got to have this confidence in God and what He can do in our life. This morning, we're going to look at verses 35 through 43. If you've got that this morning, if you'd stand for the reading of the Word. And it says in verse 35, And it came to pass that as He, being Jesus, was come nigh to Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging, And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they that went before rebuked him, that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood, he stopped. And commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith hath saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise Under God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. And I thank you, Lord, that your word is true. And God, that, Lord, we would be able to understand that, God, you can do anything. There's not one situation here today. There's not one life here today. There's not one problem here today. There's not some case that's too hard for you, God. Because, Lord, you take the impossible and you transform it through the power of your faith and your word. And God, I pray that this morning, God, we would be able to take hold of this. That every single one of us would walk away here different than before. Why? Because we put our faith and trust completely in you. We don't trust in ourselves, Lord. We walk away here trusting only in one. And that is you. Because you are the truth, the way, the life. Lord, you're our help and strength. And we thank you for it. Bless your word and anoint it. And God, move in this altar today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. The transforming power of Faith, faith, that little word, how powerful it is. Listen, when I read, let me tell you, when, I, when I'm reading the word and I get to these little, these little nuggets, these little nine verses here, and I see that somebody that that morning when they woke up had no idea how the day was going to turn out and they get stuff happening in their life. They see their needs met. God moves in such a miraculous way in a life. I take notice and I wonder, okay, God, show me what made the difference here. Because if you look at this man, this man was in a multitude of people. There was a ton of people that was around him and one man got his need met. One. 
One got their name. Was it because that God only had so much power and he couldn't touch or didn't want to, didn't have time? He, he, was, he was on a very important mission. He was making his way back. His ministry was coming to a close. He was coming through Jericho. And we see that he, when he was coming through this trip, he'd already met. These, these people were not, the, the, these were the outcasts. He's gonna, these are the ones that touch him. He had just met. If you look, a few, I think a few verses before that, he, he had actually touched the, the publican, the tax collector, Zacchaeus. And he'd met his need. And he said, I must needs go with you. And he does a miraculous work in his life. And then as he's on the outside of the city, we see that this man is sitting there. And we see when I read this, I start looking, why is so important? What made the difference in this man's life that, did, that the rest didn't get? And Jesus answered it himself in 42. And it says, and Jesus said unto him, here's the answer. Receive thy sight, thy faith hath Save thee. Your faith is what is going to cause you to walk away different than you can. Your faith in me is the reason you're going to walk away different. And so I wanted to look at that. And so there's so many other examples that we could go through today. But we're going to look at that little word faith that is so powerful if we can get a hold of it. This word faith, is, if its definition is to believe to the extent that you put your complete trust and confidence in something. You have such a belief. It's nothing you maybe can see. It's nothing. Of course, we know that, the, that faith says that faith is the substance of things not seen. It's the faith is uh, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's what faith is. It, it means, you mean you can have faith in something you can't see? You mean you can have faith in something you can't see? Well, we can't see oxygen, but we believe in it because every time we take a breath. I remember one time I seen how important that was. I used to be a long, long time ago a firefighter, and I got in a, in a, in a bad fire, and, and I, my bell was going off, and I didn't realize it until it was too late. And all of a sudden, I run out of oxygen. I run out of oxygen. Well, one of the things they tell you not to do is don't take it off in the middle of the fire because if you do, you are going to suck in smoke. You're probably going to pass out and you're going to be dead laying there. So I knew better than to do it. And I'd realize, when I realized that well, how important oxygen was is when it was completely gone and I sucked in, nothing happened except my eyeballs kind of sucked out. It was kind of it was the mass. It was important. I realized how important it was. I believe in it because I seen really quickly how important it was if I didn't have it. Sometimes we don't we believe in things we can't see. And so this word says that substance is something you can get your hands upon even though you can't see it. The way you got saved is when you come to the realization in your own life that you can't do it anymore. You're miserable the way you are. You can't take it anymore. You've got to have help. And the only one that can help you is Jesus Christ. And that's when you make your way to an altar and you accept Jesus Christ and you say, Lord, I put my faith in you. We couldn't see it. But we felt our need for it. And then I thank God that he transforms us. And we know that something happens and he changes us. Thank God for faith. It is so important. I was reading of a little missionary to the tribe, one of the tribes in Africa. And he was trying to translate the Bible into their language. And I was surprised. This week I went to the Museum of the Bible outside of D.C. And, and they've got a whole wall of the different, different uh, languages that's never been translated the Bible into. There is a lot of languages. It's still not translated. But he was trying to translate the Bible into their language. And he had trouble with the word faith. This one word. It's a little word. But he was try it was, it's very important to get that word right. And so when you take a word and you're trying to translate it into a language that's never been translated before, he was trying to find the perfect word. 
And the only way that he ever came up with the word is there was this, this uh, spiritual uh, leader in the tribe that had been once uh, given to witchcraft, but had gloriously been saved. And he was a, he knew, he knew, and he could read English, and he knew the word well, and he understood what faith was, and he was like, you've got to help me. I've got to come up with a word that represents faith. And this man put a lot of thought into it. He put a lot of, of, of thought trying to figure out what he says, and he says, doesn't that word really mean it just to actually hear with the heart. To hear with the heart. And the word that he gave meant to hear with the heart. It's when God is able to put a finger in our heart and we're able to uh, get a hold of something that we can't see. So today we're going to look at five things, or actually six real quick, that our lives are transformed by faith. And it's transformed by faith, and we're going to see the impacts that it does on our life. First of all, when he received his need, we see here that faith overcomes our past. Faith has to overcome our past. It says and it came, in verse 35, And it came to pass that as he came nigh unto Jericho, Jesus, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. One of Satan's greatest tactics in your life is to try to convince you that you will never ever see any difference. Your life is always going to be the same. You're going to keep falling in the same pit. You're going to keep going through the same problem. You're going to keep having the same issue today and tomorrow and the rest of your life. This man got up that morning and every day his whole existence was one thing. To get up to put on his beggar robes, to go out in a certain spot and sit by the wayside while the rest of the world went by him and to beg because that's the only way he was going to be able to survive and even eat. And so that was his whole life. And so the enemy would love you to think that's the way the rest of your life's going to be. You're going to sit on the wayside and you're going to watch the rest of the world go by. Everybody else's needs are perfect. Nobody else has any problems. You're the only one that's going through anything and you can find out that you're just doomed. This is, this, that's your lot in life. You might as well accept it. The only way this man ever got, just think about that. You know that's what was going through his mind that morning. Today's going to be just like any other day. I'm just, hopefully to God, I'm going to get enough money to be able to eat till tomorrow. And I'll have to do it again like I've done a thousand times before. And we see that when he came there that day, not knowing that things were going to change, the first thing he had to do was push past his past. The same thing happened with the woman. If you read that story of the woman with the issue of blood, she had went through 12 years. Every day, that word was the same. No good. You're getting worse. And in fact, she tried. She spent every dime she had and got worse and worse and worse. She came to the end of her strength. She came to the end of her finances. She came to the end of herself. But something rose up within her when she heard that that man Jesus was coming by. Because she realized, I, I don't have to, I cannot take who I have been in the past. I'm not going to go on another year. I've not got another year. I've got to get past it. I can't stay where I was yesterday. I've got to get help. And the answer is one little word that helped these people find the victory they needed. Faith. Faith. Don't let your past hinder you. Don't let the things that you've done. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of things in my past. There's a lot of things that I don't want to go back to. There's a lot of things that I wish that I could change. But I can't. But I can't stay in the past. I can't stay at where I used to be. Because that's not who I am today. That's not who I am. And the only thing that changed that was one little word. Faith. 
It's when you take hold of faith and say, Lord, I know who I am. And without you, I'm lost. Without you, I'm destroyed. Without you, I have no hope. But I'm putting my faith in you and you can change me. And all of a sudden, you feel strength. You feel a washing. You feel a brand newness come over you. And so we see faith overcomes our past. What else does it do? Faith changes our priorities. Changes your priorities. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, your life will not be the same anymore. When you realize how important our relationship is with Jesus Christ, everything is transformed. Verse 36 through 38 changed this man's life. He heard something. He knew something was different. He's sitting there. He's going through the same motion. Then all of a sudden he hears this rustling. It's not just a couple of people. He hears a lot of people. And it says in verse 36, And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him, that Jesus of Nazareth, I want you to, by the way, underline this. It's going to come important in a minute. Jesus of Nazareth, this prophet, this man that we know, this is just a man passing you by. Yeah, he's a man that, there's all kinds of wonderful stories. And let me tell you something. I can't get into this because it doesn't say in the scripture, but I can tell you something. He's heard of him before. He's heard of him. We'll know here in a minute how we know he's heard of him. But he has a faith. He's already got a confidence in who he is. And it's going to come out in just a minute. But this man, these people are telling him, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's just a man going by. It's just this Jesus of Nazareth going by in a big crowd. By the way, he's already going by. The next thing that comes to his mind probably, it's too late. It's too late. There's times the enemy will come. You'll sit there and think, oh, it's too much. There's too much went down the road. There's too many big things that's happened in my life. It's too late for you to get help. Jesus is already passed. Your opportunity's already passed by. And that wasn't the case. But he had to push past that. Faith changes your priorities. His priorities change because although he was blind, he saw who he was. And he didn't want to be that way anymore. He saw that every day of his life. We don't know when this man lost his sight. It could have been from birth. I think it very well was something happened later because some of the translation says that I would regain my sight, which means to me that he at one time had sight. He knew what he had lost. He knew where he was heading. All of a sudden his life transitioned. But either way, this man was blind, but he still could see who he was, and that's not who he wanted to be. That's the first thing in faith. The only way, how do we get saved? We don't come and say, Lord, I'm really excited about who I am, and I don't really want to change. I just want to add you to it. No, no, no. When you get saved is when you come to the altar, and you say, my life has got to change. I do not want to be who I am anymore. I've got to have some transition in my life. You've got to change me. He's seen who he was, and he didn't want to continue on that path. You know what? Something else. Even though he was blind, he saw who Jesus was. He had an understanding that no one else. He isn't full of a crowd of people. There is a massive crowd of people. Jesus has just spent, if you'll read just a few verses before, he's told his disciples the sixth time. I'm getting ready to go, to go to Jerusalem. I'm getting ready to be killed. They're, I'm going to be dead for three days. They're going to spit on me. They're going to beat me. And after three days, the Son of Man is going to raise up. In the next verse, Luke gives us a little insight that the rest of the gospels don't. And they still didn't understand. They didn't understand. What's he talking about? What's he talking about? They don't get it. The people in the crowd, they don't get it. Why are they there? They want to see two things. They want to hear what he says. They want to see what he does. That's why they're there. 
Let me tell you something else. There is a, do you think, for, in, this, in this, let me show you an example of this. This is a small crowd. We, we, people's worried about coming right now. There's a small crowd. How many this morning, if Jesus come in this room this morning and stood up here and said, how many of you need me to touch you? I, you've got a need and you need me to touch you and you'll walk out of your change. How many could raise their hand and say, that's me? Oh, no, yeah, that's me. I, I, let me. Lord, let me be selfish one time. Let me be at the front of the line, right? So do you think in this great multitude of people, there wasn't a hundred or a thousand needs? Do you think there wasn't other beggars on the side of the road as he came up the road that had needs? What's the difference? Why didn't he meet their needs? We see here he was passing by. I, it makes me think of, and I know I'm, I'm kind of belaboring, I've got to get on it, but the same, I see the same picture. Just when Jesus was on the mountain praying and his disciples are in the boat, and there's a storm raging. And Jesus sees them in trouble, and he's coming toward them. But it says when he gets near the boat, he was going to pass them by. What's he waiting on? Did he not see? Well, we know he's seen. That's why he came. He's seen they were in trouble, and he comes to them. When he's going by, what was he waiting on? What did he want? See, he's a gentleman. He's a gentleman. He wants us to ask for his help. He wants us to, and we'll see here in a minute, he's going to ask him, what do you want me to do? You want me to put money in your cup? Do you want me to, what do you want me to do for you? I want you to be specific for me. Do you want me to just make everything good? You want me to just make your life easier? Somebody to lead you around every day? Let me get you a chariot? What do you want me to do? But he knew what he needed. And so, but he also seen who Jesus was. He seen who he was. He knew his eyes were blind in the physical but his spiritual eyes were opened and no one else's was. How do we know that? How do we know that? We're gonna, we're, we see that when he called out on him in verse 38 and he cried out saying, Jesus, thou son of David. That is a reference to the coming king, the Messiah. The one that's supposed to come and sit on his father David's throne. This is a reference to him being the Messiah. This man was blind and he could see what the rest of them couldn't. That's one of the reasons why his needs was met because he's seen whose presence he was in. He's seen the need. So we see that faith overcomes our past. Faith changes our priorities. Third, we see that faith sometimes has to overlook other people. There is going to be people. You, you can testify to this. There is people in your life that instead of doing what you think they would do, and it's been me at times, that instead of helping people get to Jesus, you can become the instrument that discourages them from coming to Him. You may be the one. There, they, they, there's people in your life who may say, that's never going to change. Be quiet. What are you doing? You're making a fool out of yourself. Don't do anything. Just sit here. Don't do anything. Just, hey, he's not got time for you. These voices that come to us, and that's the devil. It's the enemy. Just like Jesus told Peter one time, hey, those voices, that thing you're saying to me, that ain't you. That's the devil speaking through you. The enemy will speak through other people to discourage you, to take away, to steal your hope, to steal your future, to steal your help that the Lord wants to give you. And verse 39 says, and when they went, and they that went before him, rebuked him that he should hold his peace. Be quiet. Be quiet. So the very one that should have encouraged him, there was probably one of them that's the one that led him there every day and took him home. It could have been one of the very ones that says, be quiet. Do you know who you are? Do you know who this is? He doesn't want to talk to you. But that's not true. That's just a lie. 
And thank God he was able to put. That's one of the reasons we can get what we need is when we are pushed past every other thing, all the obstacles that come, they'll come. When you try to move toward God, the enemy is going to come at you with everything, every barrel loaded, every situation. He's going to push you back if he can. You've got to push past all that. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the Lord and you'll receive the victory. I remember when I first got saved. My dad, mom, I've been raised in church, Christian school, the whole deal. I backslid for several years, and God gloriously saved me. Thank God he had mercy when he shouldn't have. And immediately I thought, I'm supposed to do something. <laughs> I got to say, I'm supposed to do something, you know. Dad's been, uh, you know, done stuff in bus ministry. Then he preached. I'm supposed to do something. And so there was an opening, and I thought I was supposed to do what Dad did. So it seems like I could keep following him, I guess, is where I'm at now. So I thought I was supposed to get in the bus ministry. That's where Dad got his start, the bus ministry. And so I remember how I was excited because I'm going to, you know, I'm doing what Dad did, and I'm trying to, you know, do my part, you know. Now, Dad, I will, I will admit to you right now, <laughs> I never got nothing. I never got 10% of what he did. He was just, Dad was bus director extraordinaire. I mean, he just had a heart for it. And people, I mean, they would be 250 people just on buses sometimes. It's incredible. And uh, so I could tell you all kinds of stories about that. But he did a wonderful job. But I was already struggling with my, because it wasn't going the way I thought it should go. I was trying hard. But it wasn't, and I won't say who, but some, some senior saint that's gone on came up to me and said, let me tell you something, son. I just want to let you know, I used to be in this for a long time, and you will never make this thing go. You will never see what we used to see. Now, part of what he said was true, but it might have been because of what he said, because all of a sudden, my balloon went, Woo. I might as well give up. It's so easy to give up. Why? Because instead of someone who could say, I've been there before. I've been through this. You can do it. And I'm there to help you. I'm going to pray for you. And here's what worked. And here's the encouragement. If we don't watch, we become the discouragement that pushes people away from what God wants to do in our life. God help us not to be that person. I know I've been there before. This crowd was thronging to Jesus to hear what He would say and what He would do. And you would think... They want to hear what he says and they want to see him heal. Why didn't someone say, well, there's a blind man. Why, he can heal the blind man and would go get him and bring him to Jesus. Isn't that what they want to see? You know what else I'm convinced here? One of the reasons they were telling him, be quiet, and they repeated it. They kept saying, be quiet, be quiet. I think it's not just the crowd. There was one crowd that thought it was, don't bother him, let him go on by. And another crowd was the religious people who said, don't you call him the Messiah. Don't, you, who do you think you are saying he's the Messiah, the coming king? He's the son of God. Who do you think you are? Be quiet. That's what the enemy wants you to do in your life. He wants you to know who Jesus, the name Jesus, but he doesn't want you to know who he truly is for your life because you can know his name and you can do anything, but you can call him all kinds of things. But if you don't reach out and know who he truly is, that he's the one that can transform my life. He's the one that can heal me. He's the one that can transform me. He's the one that can change me forever. If you don't grasp a hold of that, that faith don't take root, then the enemy wins the victory. Know who he is, but don't take hold of that. And so the enemy was saying, don't say anything. Faith is so important. Faith is based on the trust you have in the object you're trying to put faith in. I remember this, this uh, was hilarious. I wish I had 
this video. How many has flown before? And you rem- if you have, a few of you maybe. And so if you've flown, the first time you fly, it's a little bit, little bit tough. It's a little nervous. You get a little nervous. I remember I'd flown before. First time it was, I was a little nervous. I tried to act cool. I didn't want anybody to know. I was, I was, but I was a little nervous. I didn't let anybody know. I went through it. And, and what was funny is we landed. It was a small plane. And I'm going to get into the other and, and And I didn't realize that some of these smaller planes above the, uh, above the, the uh, big jets, the big... Uh, Whatever, can't think what it is. What is it? The big jets, whatever. They had a flap that I didn't realize some of them did that would fly up as a break. It's like catches air. So I was sitting there and we was hitting the ground and I was already, you know, landing and taking off is your two big spots. So we're getting ready to land and all of a sudden we touch the runway and all of a sudden I'm seeing this little ledge start shaking and coming up on the motor and I'm saying, oh my goodness, we're getting ready to break apart. And all of a sudden it flew up and, it's, and it, was, it was designed to do that, to catch air and slow it down. But I didn't know that and it scared me to death. Now I didn't let anybody know that, but I'm telling you, I panicked. Not near as bad though as the next time I went to Beaumont, Texas with my brother-in-law that passed on, Roy. He'd never been in a plane. It was a really small. One. And we got in that plane the first time and Roy was terrified. He, I've never seen so much terror on a guy's eyes. He was scared to death. And in fact, I thought I was helping him out by putting him next to the window so he could see and so forth. So we get in this little plane and so he's against it and he is convinced because he has no faith in this plane. He doesn't know who's flying this plane. This plane looks like a little plastic box to him. He he said, he he told me he felt like he'd walked into a coffin because it was around his head. He really thought this was it. He was going to die and he sat there in that seat and I'm sitting next to him and as you take off and you're turning to get into your direction. You're going, and the plane leans that way, and, I, and it, your body leans with it. All of a sudden, I felt some resistance, and all of a sudden, he's pushing the other way. He's afraid to lean on the wall because he's convinced it's going to bust open and he's going to fall out. So the and I look so odd because you look down the aisle of the plane. I'm on the left side, and Roy is pushing me to where I'm about to hit the floor on the other side. Everybody's leaning this way. I'm leaning out on the floor, going the other way. Why? He had no faith. He had no faith. Now. You know how it is. Later on, you start relaxing. You eventually can take your seatbelt, and you start trusting. Why? You've learned that you can trust the object that you're dealing with. Isn't that the way it is with the Lord? We don't know. Lord, are you going to hang me out? Lord, do you see where I'm at? Lord, can you meet my need? And then every time, he meets another need. And then he meets another need. And he saves you. And he delivers you. And he answers this prayer. And he heals you. And all of a sudden, you're like, well, God, I can do anything. You hear everything I say. I have confidence. Why? What's the difference? You was able to trust him by putting your confidence in him. I've got to move on. I've got some other good illustrations I'm going to have to leave out. Uh, but So we see here that faith overcomes our past. Thank God. It changes our priorities. He becomes number one. It overlooks sometimes other people who maybe unwillingly are discouraging us from what God's trying to do. And also, faith encourages our persistence. You don't give up. You would have gave up, but you know who you trust in now. And so you don't give up. It says in verse 39, and when they went, uh, they went before him, rebuked him, that he should hold his peace. What was his response? Okay. All right, no. No, it says, but he cried so much more with every ounce of breath he had because Jesus is now farther away than he was before. He's even farther. This man knows now is the time. He didn't realize how important it was. This was his last opportunity. 
he would have never been changed. He would have never seen this opportunity again. And he's passing by. He's now farther away. These people are discouraging him. His past is trying to discourage him. His problems is trying to discourage him. And all of a sudden, he says, no, I've got to touch him. And it says that he screamed out with all of his might, Jesus. Messiah, the son of David, have mercy. He didn't say, Lord, look at me. Isn't it pitiful what I'm going through? Isn't it unfair what I'm going through? No, have mercy on me. See what I'm in. You're the answer for what I'm going through. Oh, what a wondrous thing that we can call out on him. But we have to put our confidence in him. We have to put our faith in him. Jesus even told us recently, we preached on this, on the parable that Jesus said, about persisting in prayer, the widow who comes to the ungodly judge. And because she is persistently coming and saying, I'm going to stand outside that tent. I'm going to be out there every day until you meet my need. I know you're only here for five days, but before you leave, you're meeting my need because I ain't leaving until you meet it. And this man, it says, even though he was ungodly, even though that I'm paraphrasing, even though he wasn't afraid of God, nor man, he had to meet her need because he got tired of seeing her every day. Why? She was like, you've got to meet my need. Persistence, we've heard, pays off, and it does. Persistence pays off when it comes to the things of God. Satan uh, uh, didn't want Daniel to get his answer, but he kept fasting, he kept praying, and the God sent the answer the first day. 21 days, he got his need met. He got his answer. Victory comes to those who hang on and don't let go. Jacob was wrestling with God. He knew his brother, 400 men, and his brother were coming his way. He already promised, last time he seen him, next time I see him, we'll kill you. I'm killing you. Why else has he got 400 men? He didn't say 400 women. He didn't say he's coming with all kinds of food and everything. He's coming with 400 men. I guarantee they had some swords on them. And so they got the word come back to him. He's going to kill me. He's been thinking about this for years. He knows he's going to do it. He, he's, a, he's a man that does what he says. He knew that unless something changed, and he had to rescue God. He realized, God, you're going to kill me here, or I'm going to kill tomorrow. I'm not leaving until you touch me. What happened? He's transformed the rest of his life. Why do we call it Israel? His name was changed. His whole family tree was completely changed. The promise of God took hold that night was so important in his life. He says, I'm hanging on. I don't care how bad it hurts. I don't care how tired I get. I ain't letting go. God wants us to be persistent when it comes to him. And when I was getting saved, the enemy told me when I had backslidden too long, I didn't give him too many chances. I turned my back on the Lord too many times and he wouldn't hear me. And I was sitting there praying, my wife next to me. And finally I said, God, if you won't save me, then save my wife. I don't know what the significance was, but I wasn't going to give up. I was like, you've got to do a work. I come here for you to do a work. And all of a sudden, both of us gloriously saved. Why? Because don't give up. So we see, I'm going to hurry. Faith overcomes our past. It changes our priorities. It overlooks other people. It encourages our persistence. And fifth, it attracts God's power. There's something about when we say, God, you are it and nothing else is going to do. I've got to touch you. I'm not, you. I want you to find me one in the scripture that did that and God walked away. Find me someone who said, God, you're everything to me. I, I'm trusting you. I'm not going to let go of that altar. And God walked away. No, what was God's response? We see in verse 40, a beautiful thing. And Jesus stood. He stopped in his tracks. He heard what he was listening for. Did he know this man was there? This, this is God. This God. I mean, he knew that he had to go with the Samaritan woman. He knew he had to go that morning before he left because he's in prayer. And his father speaks to him. He knew this man was going to be there. 
And he lets him call. You know what? He not only is going to meet this man's need, he's getting ready to teach a lesson to a thousand other people. He's getting ready to teach it to a thousand other people, people who had needs but never even took the time to call out on God. This man who has shown that God, who he is, and he can meet the need, and it says he stood and he told them, this is wonderful. If you were to see this, what really happened? He told everybody else, be quiet. What? Shh, shh. Him. Bring him here. All of a sudden, everybody's trying to drown him out, and now that's the only voice that Jesus can hear. That's the why that man knows who I am. Why did he say the woman who had the issue of blood? Hey, who stop, stop, who touched me? Stop everybody. This little lady here that you all pushed and persistently tried to keep from getting to me, this one is going to walk away changed forever. Why? She had faith. She had faith in me. So we see that. She was touched. Hey, there's so many examples. The Canaanite woman who come to Jesus for her daughter. And it says, I, I love those verses. I, that story is so wondrous. It's hard to read because it's, he's so, you could spend a lot. And, he, and we see that he came to her. I'm not going to read verse 15 through 22. I'm going to read 27 to 28. And this was Jesus. She was saying, Lord, meet my need. I didn't come to the lost sheep of Israel. But Lord, please meet my need. And he keeps just kind of, he didn't even answer for a period of time. And she keeps telling her no. And she keeps persistently asking. And verse 27 says, And she said, Truth, Lord, because he said, I'm not, I can't give bread to the dog. You, you're not a Jew. I've came to the Jews. Why are you asking me? And she says, Yes, true, Lord. You're exactly right. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. But even the dogs eat of the crumbs of the master's table. Whew. Wow. What a powerful truth. And it says, of course, it says, yet the dogs, yet eat, the dogs eat of the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Verse 28, then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Do you think she ever regretted calling out on him for humbling herself before him? No. Would she do it again a thousand times over? Was it worth it? Absolutely. Why did she get her need met and thousands of other? Because she had faith that it was not going to let go. She was persistent. And she attracts God's power. Centurion said, oh, Jesus, you don't have to even come to my house. I know who you are. You're a man of authority. And God was amazed at his faith, and he met his need. We, as I've said, we have to have it for salvation. We have to have it for healing. We have to have it for the Holy Ghost. We need faith for God to do what He wants to do in our life. We must have faith. So finally, we see that faith overcomes our past. Faith changes our priorities. Faith overlooks other people. Faith is what uh, encourages our persistence. Faith attracts the power of God. It's a lightning rod that says, God, here I am. I need you. And it attracts the presence and power. God makes a special appointment to be to those people. And finally, faith gives you a new purpose. Lives are transformed forever. This man was never going to... When we see, if you read some of the other Gospels on this story, what happens when Jesus calls for him to come? It doesn't say Luke, Luke is concentrating on Jesus. He's concentrating on what Jesus is doing. But if you look, I think it's in Mark. His story, he says that when Bartimaeus stands up, he cast off his coat. This coat was the very thing that, that uh, was his security. This was the very thing that caused people to give him money. This told that he was a beggar. This was his security that he was going to be able to eat. But the moment he stood up, he had faith because he laid down his cup. He threw off his coat. And what was he saying when he walked away from it? I ain't going to need that anymore. 
I'm not going to leave here. You can have what's in that cup. You can have that coat. But when I leave, I'm going to be changed. That kind of goes. That's three C's. Cup, coat, and change. I like that. Let me preach that sometime. So we see that it says in 43, and immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. You know what? He didn't need his cup and his coat anymore. But now, no longer is this man need to be led. But he is the one leading others toward Christ. He's the one that now, because of what God, he's glorifying God. And it says that others, those ones that was telling him to be quiet, now they're glorifying God. Why? Because of what he did in his life. So no longer is he being led, but he is the leader of others. God can take, I don't care how bad your situation. I don't care how hard the things are in your life. I don't care what you face. God can take your life and make you into a vessel that is so changed, so transformed, that you are the very vessel that God uses to lead other people toward Christ because of what they can see. He'd, let me tell you something. If you looked at me before, if you've seen me when I was 21, when you've seen me when Jordan was just a little babe, if you could see me then and you see me now, I'm totally different than who I used to be. I, I'm on a totally different path. I always said that man's dead. Thank God that man's dead. Thank God. I don't want to be that man anymore. I don't want to be that person anymore. But faith can give you a new purpose. This blind man was the only one who could actually see. He had spiritual eyes that no one else had. And he left a different person. Why do we keep carrying it? Why do we keep saying maybe next time? Maybe someday down the road, God, can't you meet my need? And the Lord says, if you can see me with the eyes that this man had, you can walk away changed Today, today, we don't have to carry that anymore so we can see how powerful faith is. It changes us. It converts us. It gives us hope. And so today, the question is in your life, what are we carrying? What do we keep carrying? If we could just see him for who he, the same Lord that met his need is the same spirit that we feel in this house today. It's the same one that lives within our lives when we get saved. It's the same God who says, I'm here I'm here. I'm walking down the aisle. Who will call out on me today? Because I will stop everything else. I will tell everybody else, be quiet. I'm going to meet a need. Why? One little word. Faith. Transforming power of faith. Do we have it? Let's stand this morning. Bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, and I thank you, Lord, that you, God, you're the answer. Lord, that you are the one that doesn't look at us. Lord, is that we're unworthy. You don't look at us. God, that we have no hope. You see our sin, but you love us, God. You see our frailties. You see our failures. You see the things that bind us. You see the things that, God, that we feel like that we can't get past. Lord, we keep trying to do it in our own strength, and we can't do it. It's only when we give our life completely to you. Lord, when we reach out with true faith. 
That's when you do everything. That's when you take over, Lord, when we lay down our strength and we completely, completely trust in you. God, I pray this morning that you would deal with hearts. Lord, if there's those that in the service this morning or even online that doesn't know you, God, that they would call out on you today. God, that they would say today the faith is, if they feel you, Lord, if they feel you stirring, today is the day you want to do the work in their life. Not tomorrow, not down the road, because the enemy will try to steal the very thing that you're trying to do. He'll be one of those voices that tries to rob the opportunity they have. Today is today. And Almighty God, Lord, for those that may be struggling with things or those that have fears they don't know how to get past, those that may have problems in their life, those that may have things that they can't get past, maybe they got scars from their past, Lord, maybe they keep going through things. Lord, You know every heart. You know mine. You know every life. You know every circumstance. And God, You're wonderfully the answer to every one of them. But God, it takes those that will set themselves and they will do what, uh, Lord, this man did that will call out on you and say, here I am. I don't care about anybody else. Lord, I just have to have my need met. And they'll walk away transformed and completely changed. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for your word that it still applies to today. And God, I pray that you would have your way in this house. If you would keep your eyes closed this morning, your head bowed, and only I'm going to look around for just a minute. Let me ask you this morning, there could be some here today that you may say that I'm not even saved. I don't know who the Lord, but what you're saying to me, I I want to have faith. I want to trust in Him. I want to put my confidence in Him, but I've been struggling and I know He's dealing with my heart. And if you would just raise your hand so that I can know to pray for you and you just put it up and then back down and say, pray for me, brother, that I would reach out and the Lord could touch me and move in my life. Anybody here this morning, anyone in this house this morning, I need the Lord to move in my life. I need Him to be my Savior. You know the circumstance. Even online, that could be you. Okay, and this morning, with that, before you raise your head, let me ask you this. How many in this house this morning is willing to say, I've seen many hands go up earlier, which say, Lord, you know that there's some areas in my life I need faith. I need you to do a work. And Lord, it's hard. I see that, that I need your help. And if you'd raise your hand and say, Lord, here I am. Lord, touch me as you go by. Touch me as you go by. Lord, I want you to touch me. I want to leave here changed. I don't want to be, I mean, don't go back the same way I came. I see those hands. The Lord knows the circumstances of our heart. Priscilla, if you would come this morning, this morning, this altar, and this morning, this altar is open, and you can come if you want to, and if you would, the Lord, we'll come and we'll actually pray with you, and we'll, we'll ask the Lord to have His way. This, the Lord is here, and if we walk away, if we walk away from the opportunity that He's given us, we will be like the rest of that crowd that left and never seen Him again. Left and their needs was theirs forever because the opportunity, the door closed. Today, you can have help. You can have strength if you'll just call out on Him.